This episode of Market Foolery brought to you by NetSuite, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy to use cloud platform. Download their free guide. It's free, people. So check it out. Seven key strategies to grow your profits. Check it out today at netsuite.com slash fool. It's Tuesday, October 8th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill with me in studio. Ron Gross, thank you for being here, sir. It is literally always my pleasure. Not, not literally, but it, today it's my pleasure. I am glad. Yeah, let's be honest. We've known each other a long time. There absolutely have been episodes in the past where you're like, "All right, I'm going to do this, but you owe me," because I'm coming to you at the last minute. There you go. Um, we're going to talk drip investing today. We've got a company that isn't really a household name, but I kind of feel like it oh, should be. It should be. Yeah. We're going to start with Domino's Pizza. Third quarter profits and revenue came in lower than expected. They cut their revenue guidance. Why is this stock up four percent? This was not. Uh, this is a company that has performed so well for so long. This was not a great quarter, and anytime you're cutting revenue guidance, that's that doesn't go in the plus column. So it's interesting you you say that because the last time I looked at the stock, it was actually down. So it must have rebounded. For reasons unbeknownst to me, this is like a personal one for me. I know we're not supposed to get emotional about our stocks, but I've been with this company both professionally and personally. Oh yeah, no, you... <laughs> for a really long time, for like a decade. And what a what a wonderful story! They really did everything you would want a company to do, right? Um, everything from being honest about the menu and revamping the choices to embracing the digital world, uh, and and. Just great leadership um, over the years, and and the stock reacted. I mean, really great performance. But now, lately, we're seeing, through no fault of their own, competition come in to to play, and it's the folks like Uber Eats and DoorDash and Postmates, Grubhub, those guys. And so, what do you do when you're doing everything right, and through no fault of your own, something comes in to shock the system and either disintermediates or disrupts what you've been doing? Pretty darn well, and so I actually feel bad, even though you're not supposed to get emotional about your stocks. I feel bad that this is impacting Domino's business, and it is, and it will continue to do so because pizza and perhaps Chinese food is not the only game in town now. When you want to get food delivered, and that really um, will impact the business. I feel like it's a, it's almost like a new normal. The company will continue to do well. They will continue to innovate. They will continue to make. Pizza that I don't think is amazing, but that people like. Um, it's just not going to be the the robust growth that they had over the last, let's call it, three to six years, because competition has come in. I think the growth is it goes back even before that, and the person leading all that was Patrick Doyle, yeah. and did a phenomenal job over really the past decade, as you said, starting with the whole campaign where they came out and basically said, "Yeah, our pizza's not that good. <laughs> right. We're going to work to make it better." The digital revolution, embracing all of that. Patrick Doyle is no longer running the company. Rich Allison took over in July. Look, it's early days for him as a CEO, but it's not off to a great start. And and it's and this is probably a little unfair, but but it's still no fun. Well, it, it, <laughs> if you're if you're it's the combination right of it's a really tough act to follow because yeah. Doyle did an amazing job leaving leading this company. Uh, as you said, and maybe Doyle, that's part of his brilliance, is deciding to leave uh, at the right time. But the next couple quarters, if they look like this, where it's, yes, we're growing same-store sales uh, quarter over quarter, year over year, but not to the degree that we did in the past. We're doing good, not great. 
then Rich Allison's first year is probably going to be uh, frowned upon. Yeah, and looking into my crystal ball, I think that is what we're going to see. In fact, the company is kind of telling us that with their, with their guidance. They replaced their three to five year forecast with a shorter term outlook. I guess, um, you know, kind of saying we. It's harder for us to actually look out that far, so we're gonna we're gonna only look out next two to three years. But they've they've reined in their growth. Um, so they're gonna look at two to five percent um, same store sales um, in the next two to three years, rather than three to six over the longer term. So they're signaling to us um, that the writing is on the wall. Competition is real, um, and that will impact numbers. Um, is 2.4% U.S. same-store sales, which they just did this quarter, is that a bad number? No, that's not a bad number. It's just not as good as it was. And it looks like the days of the 4 or 5 or 6% same-store sales numbers could be behind them, unless they come pull a rabbit out of a hat and come up with something um, that's pretty exciting. And what those things usually are are promotional. For example, um, they offered half off online orders for a week in August. Uh, they launched a 20% offer for late night orders in September. You can do that, but what that ends up doing is impacting your margins because you're making less per pizza per unit of food. That impacts your margins, that impacts your profitability. So you might get a boost in revenue, but it'll be less profitable revenue per dollar. It's interesting that a lot of the talk, and I think I think you're right in this regard, is about the expanded competition in the world of anything can be delivered, DoorDash, Uber Eats, etc. That being said, Rich Allison also has the misfortune of taking the top job at Domino's at a time when year two of Pizza Hut's sponsorship with the NFL kicks in. Um, Papa John's may be turning the corner. Maybe is the key. Good word. But, there, but I yeah. think over the next six months, it'll be interesting to watch those two as competitors um, and this whole issue of third-party delivery, where um, Domino's continues to toe the line and say, "Look, we don't think the economics work. That's why we're not doing it." Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see six to twelve months from now if they're holding the the line on that, and in fact, it works out for them. Or if they decide to maybe strike a deal with someone, and um, then they can't fight the tide. Yeah, remains to be seen. I have a feeling the answer is no, but we'll see. You know, companies like McDonald's. I think McDonald's might be the number one Uber Eats um, brand, and it, I guess it's not surprising. It's it's cheap. You know, I guess it tastes good if <laughs> if you like that kind of thing. Um, and 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 people just you know want their their burgers and, and fries and and. But again, there's so many offerings now. You want barbecue, you get barbecue. You want Indian food, you get Indian. You could have anything you want. So it has really changed the game. Um, it would be so completely surprising if that didn't take a bite out of market share um, or revenue um, from companies um, like like the traditional pizza companies. So we'll have to see what the new normal is and and what stock price makes sense for the new new normal. This stock. On the face of it, is not necessarily expensive here, even with the reduced guidance. It's around 23 times forward earnings. Look at Papa John's, which is 42 times. Papa's is struggling, obviously. Starboard value is coming it's in. It's 42 today. times? Yeah, forward earnings. Um, Starboard's coming in. But the earnings are depressed, though. The earnings are depressed. So that, you know, that's kind of why. Um, and we'll see if Starboard can write the ship there. They have a great track record. I wouldn't sleep on them. They're going to get stuff done. But the 23 times of, of 
Domino's is more in line with like a McDonald's at 25 times. Um, on the other end of the of the, of the coin to get like a Chipotle, that's over 50 times. That that's pretty expensive here. So. Not such an expensive stock, but it's hard to get excited about a company that is signaling to you that weakness is coming. Shares of Helen of Troy briefly, oh so briefly, hit an all-time high this morning after second quarter profits and revenue came in higher than expected. Helen of Troy is the parent company. They've got household and beauty products where the brand names are probably better known. Um, Hydro Flask. Uh, you were telling me I was unaware the those kitchen tools. Oxo. Yeah. That's Helen of Troy, and also things like Revlon, Pert, Pert Shedhead. Yep. Um, uh, stock was up six percent. It's actually come down. It's it's basically flat. Um, I don't know. This this seems the opposite of Domino's. This is a really good quarter. <laughs> it, 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 it was a very good quarter. Maybe the stock is just getting away from itself just a little bit, but it's actually not that expensive. So I would be a little bit surprised if that was the reason. But the market is very weak today, so um, that could just be a reason. Uh, it's, it's a consumer products company, which doesn't necessarily command the highest multiples when you're looking at valuation. But it's a wonderful company. The stock's up about 175 percent over the last five years. It's crushed. The market, um, and as you mentioned, it's an accumulation of some some really nice brands in the housewares, health and home, and beauty divisions, um, all doing pretty well. Except health and home was a little weak this quarter. Um, comps were down around ten percent, sales were down around ten percent, but they had some really tough comps last year that they were up against. It was a really strong quarter this time um, last year. Uh, but you know they've obviously, as you have to nowadays, they've embraced the online world. The online channel net sales were up 25%. Now make up about a quarter of their overall sales. They were able to widen margins because the product mix kind of leaned more towards housewares this time around, which has better margins. So you had adjusted earnings up 13%. They raised guidance. It's it's a really it's it's a nice little company that most people haven't heard of. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, on top of this great quarter, Helen of Troy comes out. They raised guidance for the full fiscal year, and this is not a big company. It's about a four billion dollar market right. cap, which yeah. which makes me. I don't know the management, so I don't know the degree to which they are adamant about staying. Uh, on their own, but it really seems like a business that's running really well. That someone much bigger, obviously, would look to acquire at some point. I think that's right. There's some impressive brands here. Eighteen and a half times forward earnings right now. So consumer products companies can't demand much higher than that. Really, in fact, most of them are somewhat lower than that. Some significantly lower than that. More like ten to fifteen times. So not a cheap stock, but a company that continues to put up these pretty impressive growth numbers. And I could easily see them becoming part of a bigger company at some point. See, Ron Gross knows his numbers, but if you don't know <laughs> your numbers, then you don't know your business, and that's the problem that growing businesses have. It keeps them from knowing their numbers. It's the patchwork quilt of business systems, one for sales, one for inventory, another for accounting. It's inefficient. It takes too much time, too many resources, and that hurts the bottom line. And that's where NetSuite by Oracle comes in. It's the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. It gives you the visibility and control that you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, accounting, orders, and HR instantly, right from your desktop or phone. And that is why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. And right now, NetSuite's offering you valuable insights with a free guide. It's called Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits. 
You can find it at netsuite.com slash fool. That's netsuite.com slash fool. Download your free guide, The Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, at netsuite.com slash fool. It's in the description of this episode. You can just, just click on that. Did you say time, money, and unneeded headaches? Yes. I'm in. It's free. That's great. What do you get to lose? Come on. Uh, you can always drop us an email, marketfoolery at fool.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter, at marketfoolery is our handle. Question on Twitter from Rod in Albuquerque. A very timely question from Rod. With trading commissions at zero, does drip investing make sense anymore? Should we all just use our dividends to invest in our best idea at the moment? Great question. Obviously, in the wake of last week's news, Schwab, Ameritrade, E-Trade, yeah. just saying, it's a, yeah, it's consumer's world out there. It's free, everybody. And as a long time, as good. someone who has had his money with Ameritrade for a long time, I was very happy to see them follow suit with Schwab. Yeah, for sure. Um, Drip investing, uh, for those unfamiliar, dividend reinvestment plan investing. Uh, what do you think of Rod's question? It's a good question. There's two kinds of drips. Um, one that is um, the company itself offers the ability to reinvest the dividends they pay you into more stock. You go right to the IR department of the company. Exactly. And that's commission free. Uh, the other kind is offered by most, if not all, brokerages, where they you just click a box and they will automatically reinvest your dividends for you. That is also commission free. So, either way, um, you're, you're able to add to the companies you already own, hopefully they're your favorite companies, um, Slowly, quarter by quarter, and little drips and drabs. Get it, drips? Um, <laughs> I didn't mean that. Um, and and commission free. So that's great. But now here's so here's the question though. Instead of doing that to kind of get around the commissions, right? It's a way of investing in companies um, without having to pay commissions. In the new world we've just entered, where you can invest in any company, U.S. based any company, um, U.S. listed company. For no commissions, the question the Rod asks, well, what about now? Maybe we should be taking those dividends in cash and reinvesting them into our new and favorite ideas. And there's a lot of merit to what he says. And I've always had this kind of uh, up and down opinion of this. Professionally, when I used to manage funds, I always took the dividends in cash because for exactly what Rod says, I always wanted the cash available to redeploy into my favorite. Positions, um, whether they were new or even old, um, and the small amount of commissions I would have to pay if I did invest more money in in, in stocks I already owned was not a reason not to do that. Um, however, personally, I always tell people it's just so much easier to automatically reinvest your dividends. Uh, you know, you start off with twenty shares of something, and you know, you look. Ten years later, and all of a sudden, you own twenty-five or thirty shares of the company, and it's just a great way to not have to constantly think about redeployment of cash because not everyone actively manages their portfolio in, in, in such a way. And so, this is just a really great way to set and forget it. So, either way, if you are the type of person who manages your portfolio pretty actively, I see no problem at all taking cash and reinvesting it at no commissions and whatever your favorite idea is. If you're a person that doesn't want to look at it um, quarter by quarter like that. Reinvest those dividends; it'll add up over time. I also think that you can look at some of the companies in your portfolio, and the ones that you are the most confident about, that you have the greatest affinity for. If they're paying a dividend, I mean, and this is how I do it in my own investing, is I'm just put putting it right back into that stock. Yep. 
For sure. But not, not every company pays a dividend, obviously. Some of your favorite companies may not pay a dividend. And then it would be nice to have some cash to, to increase your position um, just, just by buying shares. Um, but you can do a combination, or maybe invest some uh, automatically and take some in cash. Uh, it just depends what kind of investor you want, how much time you want to spend looking at your portfolio. So it's a great question. Thank you, Rod. Keep the questions coming uh, on Twitter and uh, through email, and also on YouTube. We've started, we started this a few months ago, doing uh, a live Q and A a couple of times a month on YouTube. You can find the Motley Fool's YouTube channel. It's just YouTube.com/slash/TheMotleyFool. And uh, they went well. And now we're doing them every week. And so this Thursday afternoon, uh, Ron, you're going to join me. Emily Flippin, I, I think, is joining oh, us as well. Oh, wonderful! Um, and we're going to be uh, taking questions from the viewers, uh, but we're also going to be talking about something that is right up your alley, which is cheap stocks. Love. Are there any cheap stocks anymore, Chris? <laughs> there are cheap stocks out there, but we'll also be talking uh, not just about cheap stocks, but also about the perception. So we'll be yeah, talking and about the theory behind it. Yeah, because yeah. there are stocks that you know cost hundreds of dollars, but on a valuation basis, they're cheap. But then there are some stocks out there that are under twenty bucks. Where it's like, yeah, this is this is one to put on your watch list. Yep, can't focus on the stock price. Got to look at the whole company. Yeah, so uh, so check that out uh, every week uh, on our YouTube channel. You can check those out. You can submit questions, uh, and we'll take them live. Ron Gross, always good talking to you. Thanks for being Thank here. Thank you, sir. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Washington Nationals fan number one, Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.